This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, your host for today's program. We're so glad you've joined us today as Dwight Edwards guides us through part two of an exciting sky-level journey through the Bible. We've titled it, he's titled it, No Greater Saga. You know, the late Rich Mullins, Christian singer and songwriter, wrote of the Bible, it's not the collection of pretty little anecdotes mouthed by pious little church mice. It doesn't so much nibble at our shoe leather as it cuts to the heart and splits the marrow from the bone. It doesn't give us answers fitted to our small-minded questions, but truth that goes beyond what we even know to ask. Well, I'm excited to jump into today's program, so let's welcome our guest. Dwight Edwards is the founder and president of Revolution Within whose vision is to develop spiritually passionate, humbly dependent followers of Christ as they help believers develop their new hearts, new lives, and new legacies in Christ Jesus. Dwight has pastored for over 30 years, most recently at Waters Edge Community Church in Houston. Dwight is a best-selling author of six books and a sought-out speaker, teacher, and facilitator. Welcome back, Dwight. Well, thanks, Carmen. I always love being with you. Well, you know, we closed out last week referencing the five covenants, and those are the Noahic, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, Davidic covenant, and the New Covenant. Uh, But remind our listeners what a covenant is and just briefly explain those the differences in those five covenants. Yeah, um, I like the term arrangement for a covenant. A covenant is, is, is far more serious than a promise. I like to say it's a promise on steroids. Uh, yeah. And so, or another way to put it, it's the difference between a promise ring and a wedding ring. Mm-hmm. The arrangements mm-hmm. are wedding rings. Yes, yes, uh, There yes. is a level of seriousness that uh, uh, promises don't bring. And there's five, at least five of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's somewhat you know, debated, but for sure there's, everyone agrees there's at least five. So you start with a Noahic promise, and every time you see a rainbow, it's God's mm-hmm. way of saying, I will never again destroy the earth by water. Now, he didn't say that he wouldn't destroy it by fire, and that's, that's right. exactly what will happen at the end of time. Mm-hmm. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will melt with fervent heat, the earth and all the works that are in it will be destroyed by fire, Second Peter 3. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> then we move to the Abrahamic covenant, and this is extremely, extremely significant for the whole whole yes, of the Bible. Yes, yes. And it's God's, first of all, his promise that I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. <clears throat> but then he moves on and he says, and in you, not most of the families, not a lot of the families, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Mm. And so this is uh, God's statement of worldwide influence yes, of yes. his blessing in we find out later in the person of Christ to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so um, that's the second uh, covenant. Um, the third is what's called the Mosaic Covenant, mm-hmm. and that is that... <clears throat> um, sure. Sorry.
<clears throat> and that's a covenant given as the people of God are going into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And um, the promise is that uh, if you're obedient, I will bless you. If you're disobedient, there will be judgment. Yeah. You find that the the end of Deuteronomy. Uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the fourth one then is the Davidic covenant. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the guarantee that there will always be the seed of David upon the, the throne of Israel. Mm-hmm. And that's why the genealogies in Luke and Matthew are, are important and establish yeah. that in fact, this one claiming to be the Messiah was in fact a descendant, direct descendant of David. Oh yes, you know, yes. Which is was crucial. Um, the final one is what's called the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And that's Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, other passages. Um, and this is, uh, it might be very, very significant. Uh, Particularly for us today. For us today, yeah, yeah. for us today. So I'll just, I'll leave it, uh, leave it at that. So, yeah. um, but I like the term arrangement uh, mm-hmm. for the word covenant. I think it brings a, a, a seriousness uh, to, uh, to it. Particularly when that arrangement's <clears throat> with God himself, right? exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no doubt. You know, we are all familiar with various kings and Mm -hmm. Samuel and Chronicles and Kings and and just some great stories. but you talk about significant differences in the kinds of kings. What do you mean by that? Well, I think the, the, the kings of Israel, mm-hmm. their lives are demonstrative of the four ways a person can spend their life, uh, which is yeah. what they did. Yeah. So <clears throat> some, of, some of the kings, very, unfortunately, very few of them began well and ended well. Mm-hmm. And so I would personally, I would put David in that category. And yeah. Although he had his bumps along the way for sure, I think that yeah. he began well and, and, and ends well. And ideally, that's what we would like to do. that's what we'd like to do. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think yeah. Hezekiah will fall uh-huh. into that, that, that as well. Yeah. Um, then you have uh, kings who begin well but end poorly. Mm. So Solomon mm. would be a great example of that. Solomon yes. begins very well. And ironically, Saul begins very well. Yeah. And ends up uh, poorly uh, right. as well. Uh, then there are those who um, begin poorly, but end up well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manasseh is an example of that uh, yeah. that one. And tragically, there's those who begin poorly and end up poorly. Yeah. The, so yeah. those, those are the, the, the four basic roads of life mm. that these kings took. But I think that's true for all of us, that we will all yes. end up in one of those four categories. And so don't don't pay the price that others have already paid. They give us examples. They give us examples. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing I think it gives me such hope, uh, I failed. Most yeah. all of us have in some way, right? Absolutely. But always knowing that as long as I finish well, yeah. right? That's as right. long as I finish well. And, and even, you know, coming through my cancer and all, not knowing, none of us know how many yeah. days we have left. That's right. But with the attitude, Lord, I just want to finish yes. well. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, so I think it gives us gives no, us no, all hope. no matter where you are. If yeah. You're, if you're drawing breath, you can finish well. That's right. That's you know? right. And it's no small thing to finish well. Oh, it isn't at you all. Know? Certainly not. I just think how satisfying it would be to be able to say what Paul could say at the end of his life. The time of my departure is at hand. Mm. I fought the good fight. I didn't oh. fight a fight. I fought the good fight. Beautiful. Finish the course. Yes, yes. You know, just just the depth of satisfaction. You know, so, again, it's no small thing to finish well. No, it isn't. And, and so, you know, we know also during the, the old, not the Old Testament, uh, New Testament, there there were prophets. Uh, 
but they had different things that they were prophesying about. Right. Talk about the differences <clears throat> in the prophets. Well, you have three groups of prophets. Yeah. Uh, the first is called the pre-exilic. Okay. And these are the prophets who prophesied before Israel was taken down into Babylon. All right. That's why they're called okay. pre-exilic. The basic message of the prophets to the people of God. Well, and let's put it another way. Coming off of last week's, mm-hmm. um, what we talked about last week, the basic message of the the well, all the prophets really is get back to being the burning bush God created oh, you to be. Yes, I mean, yes. It, it, across the board, you know, get back to being the burning bush that God created you to be. Mm-hmm. The pre-exilic prophets, um, their primary uh, message is turn. Turn from idolatry. Mm. Turn from your wickedness. Yeah. But also turn to the better option. So I like to use the term trade up. Mm. I think I think wherever you in the Bible see the word repent, yeah. right on the top of it, you could write trade up. The essence of repentance is not just turning away from the wrong. It's trading up. It's turning. It's mm. turning up to the best that God has to offer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so all the way through, you find these these pre-exilic prophets pleading with the people, yeah. basically saying, "Come back. You know, trade up." Um, I think of Isaiah fifty-five. Uh, he says, "Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Why do you labor for what does not satisfy?" Hearken diligently unto me, eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself mm. with the richest affair. Oh, that's a perfect you know, scripture. Jeremiah though. says, uh, yeah. my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of mm. living waters, and hewn out for themselves broken cisterns, yes. which cannot hold water. And so I say, you know, give up these foolish idols that can't mm. get the job done. Turn to the only God that, who can get the job done. And it's the greatest win-win situation known to man. Yeah. And that is God gets glorified, we get satisfied at the same time. Wow. So that's the... Okay. That is powerful because, you know, that is motivating. Yeah. To tell someone, turn from your sin is not motivating because our flesh wants Absolutely. to continue Absolutely. in the sin, right? But when we say trade up... God has something so much better for you. Well, that's I, a motivator. No, I absolutely agree, and I think that that's so badly overlooked oh, in, in the Christian world. I and agree. It's, you know, great. It's Psalm eighty-one. God said, "Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Mm. I would have fed <laughs> you with the finest of yeah. wheat, and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. You just never gave me the chance. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think you know what happens so often is foolishly. We believe that you know mm. what's forbidden is going to bring the greatest satisfaction, the greatest yeah. joy, so forth. And God, and temporarily comes, it might, and right? it might, it might, right? Uh, but not long term. Not long term for sure. Mm. And you know, it, it's God coming to us, and uh, what He calls us out for is, mm. is not, first of all, our behavior; it's our yeah. belief system. Behavior is always based in belief. Always. So we do because of fundamentally what we believe. Right. And that's why God comes to his people and says, the first thing I want to talk to you about is your your ridiculous belief system. (laughs) That you that you you think, you know, that this is the best life has to offer. Uh. And so I like to put it this way. Um, you know, a church of Laodicea, even though it's not one of the prophets, is a perfect example. So he calls the church of Laodicea out, he says, because mm-hmm. you say I'm rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. In other words, they're, they're saying we've got it wired. We're yeah. doing it our way, and we're yeah. getting away with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And God, don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's the lukewarm church. Mm-hmm. And I love what the Lord does mm-hmm. with that. 
because he could have just you know just so fully rebuked them mm-hmm. and, so, and, he, mm-hmm. and there is rebuke there but 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 more and more important he says um, because you say I'm rich increased with goods have need of nothing and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable mm-hmm. and poor and blind and naked repent and repent there means trade up Try and so that. what he's saying is you think you're flying first class uh. if you knew what I have to offer you You'd understand you're not even in economy. You're in baggage. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. In what I want to give you. Trade up, trade up, yeah. trade up. Another word for it is repent. Mm. And that was, and while, while all the prophets are, are talking about that, in particular the pre-exilic prophets, I think that's their message is trade up. Mm-hmm. It means turn away from, mm-hmm. but it also means turn to. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the, uh, uh, the exilic prophets, and that's that 70-year period in which they're in Babylon. And I, I like to uh, use the word, or the, I say that God's message to them was thrive. Mm. You know, yes, you're in a bad place. You brought it on yourself. Yeah. Don't sulk. Don't sit around. Yeah. Build, uh, build houses, plant gardens, pray for the peace of the city, for it is peace, you shall have peace. Now, the thing is God saying, even in Babylon, be the burning bush. Yes, exactly. Even in Babylon, be the burning bush. Trade, uh, and then, and then the uh, post-exilic is when the gates sw- swing open and the Israelites can return to to um, um, uh, to Jerusalem, which is nine hundred miles away. Um, and so, I, I think the sort of the, the key key word there is rebuild. Mm-hmm. Go back, rebuild the walls. Yeah. Especially go back, rebuild the temple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also from Malachi, rebuild the people. Yes, yes. Get back to being the burning bush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like to say it, it this, it's all about the burning bush. You know, I sooner agree. or later I agree. sooner or later you come back to the burning the burning bush. Jesus being the perfect example of the burning oh, bush as yes, nobody yes, else yes. ever was. And I, I was just thinking as you were talking about the various various ones it seems like we're right now in that area of where God's saying thrive. Yeah. Yeah, thrive. Absolutely. Things look bad yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah, right? Absolutely. We could just make a list. That's right. But we're to thrive right. so that people look at us and go, well, wow, they still have peace. Yeah. They still have joy. They still are praising exactly. God. They're still. That's exactly right. And, and they want to know why. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I, I think one of God's basic messages to us is lead by surprise. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. the entire Sermon on the Mount really is focusing on that. I think it's Jesus saying oh, to yes. those disciples, I want you to lead by surprise when the Roman soldier tells you to take his pack a mile. Yeah, I want you to take it a mile. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that mile, I want you to ask, sir, could I take your pack another mile? Yeah. yeah. And I think dynamic Christianity only happens on the second mile. It never happens on the first. Mm-hmm. First, you're paying your dues. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's it, it's it's trading wheels. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what yeah. you're supposed to do. It's the second mile <sighs> that gets their attention, that gets them thinking. So that a soldier's thinking, I wonder why, why is he doing this? Yeah. You know. So uh, again, I I think the phrase "lead by surprise" is is a major mm-hmm. message uh, of God's people for to God's people in in whatever day you're living in. I agree. Yeah. Wow! <clears throat> wow! Wow! Well, this brings us to. What is really for us today the most important covenant, the new covenant. You've written an incredible book about it, Revolution Within. And I must say your uh, uh, workbook that goes with that, Experiencing Christ Within, 
life-changing, and and I appreciate so much. Um, What does the new new covenant provide that the old covenant didn't? Why couldn't we just stick with the old covenant? Right. No, no, that's that's key. So, the uh, the final of the covenants is 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 the new covenant, and I think the the very best way to understand is I'm, I'm borrowed from Andrew Murray, who's got a fantastic book on this, also called the Two Covenants, is what we call the watchword. So, if you take the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. they all begin with the same same statement: "You shall, you shall not." Mm-hmm. The new covenant all begins with a statement. I will. A new heart, I will give you. A new spirit, I will put within you. Their sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. Every promise of the new covenant is predicated on I will. Mm. And the I will is God's replacement for the you shall of the old covenant. Uh, So, um, and this is beyond huge, beyond huge. So why the new covenant? Because Clearly, the old covenant didn't work. No, you know, and people will say, well, "Why? Why did God even give give the you know the old covenant and those commands in the first place?" I think the answer is this: God had to give man enough rope to hang himself. <laughs> yeah, and he did a marvelous job. Yeah, and because man always thinks he can. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Grit your teeth and yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the burning bushes at best smoldering bushes, mm. and God says, "Okay, are you tired? Are you weary? Yeah. Are you ready to give up and let me take over?" And so, you know, you go through the um, the New Testament. You know, it's it, you, the the Christian life is begun by faith alone in Christ alone. Yeah. It is continued by faith alone in Christ alone. It's culminated by faith alone in Christ alone. Um, so basically, the, the the New Covenant, and I don't know better put it, the New Covenant is God's I will to the legitimate you shall of the Old Covenant. There's nothing wrong with the Old Covenant. Right. What was wrong was the material that the Old Covenant had to work with. Mm-hmm. So the amazing thing is that God is still using people as his primary attention getter <laughs> to a cynical world around. Ah. So, the, And that's why he says in, in Ezekiel 36, uh, when I am sanctified in you before their eyes, meaning the nations, mm-hmm. basically, I'm going to use, stick them and they bleed, flesh and blood as the primary means to get the attention of cynical, unbelieving world out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, it happens. The fr- uh, I would yeah. say this, the first 300 years of Christianity were epic. They weren't perfect, but but clearly the the supernatural presence of God was was seen and felt all over the Roman Roman Empire in that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would just say that the, 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 the key difference is yeah. that the, I the I, I will replaces the you shall. That's why I personally, I think the two most important covenants yeah. are the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And for this reason, the Abrahamic covenant gives us the direction God's headed. Yeah. And he is on a relentless march to see that every tribe and tongue and people and nation um, have representatives before the throne. Mm-hmm. And, and history will not be, be wrapped up until that happens. So in Matthew 24, he says, this uh, gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. So the whole thing does not get wrapped up until there's many women from every tribe, tongue, people, nation. So this is the, this, the, the train leaves the station in uh, Genesis 12. Yeah. It arrives in Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 at its, its destination that all along has been many women from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So 
the new the the Abrahamic covenant provides the the direction. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. new covenant provides the dynamic. Yes. The new covenant provides the the firepower that's going to enable man to actually pull this thing this thing off. And it um, provides Jesus, and it provides which Jesus. you say yeah. is the continuation absolutely. of yeah. so, his ministry. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah. so there were glimpses of Jesus all the way through, and that's yeah. you know the, the beauty of the Old Testament. When the disciples on the Emmaus Road were given a new look at the whole thing, you know, I remember when they're walking, they're discouraged. Jesus yeah. comes beside them, and it says, "Beginning in Moses and all the prophets." He, he, he expounded the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. Basically, they discovered from Genesis to Malachi, wait a minute, Jesus is all He's over there. the place. He's there. You know, Jesus is the rainbow. Jesus is the ark. Jesus is the Passover lamb. I mean, as it runs its, its yeah. way all the way through. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful to wake up to that realization. You read the Bible, I think, differently. Absolutely. When you're looking for right. Jesus. Well, I like to put ball, it this way. You? I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought this up. I would say that, and this has been one of the most life-changing things for me mm. personally, and that mm. is read the Bible first for wonder, secondly for wisdom. Mm. We reverse it. Yeah. We, we think, no, I need to get in the Bible because it makes me wise. Yes, it does make you wise. But I want to suggest this. Read the Bible first for the material it provides to take your breath away. Mm. Provide, read the Bible first for wonder. Yes. Then for wisdom. Or I like to put it, if you're a sports fan, we should read the Bible with the same expectation we watch ESPN's top 10 plays of the week. <laughs> yes, yes. You watch you watch the plays not to learn how to play the sport, though you might as a byproduct. You watch for the surprise factor. Mm-hmm. God, how do you do that? That has completely changed the way I read the Bible. I would yeah. never go back. I would never go back to how I used to read the Bible, yeah. which was wisdom first, and then if you get around to it, wonder. Now say, Lord, whatever else happens, mm-hmm. please take my breath away, and please yeah. teach me along the way. You yes, know? yes. And so I, you know, I, I think so often we're missing out on that surprise factor. Yeah. Of, and that's where worship comes from. It does. You know, worship yeah. is the endorphins of the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, 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 and that comes only from the surprise factor. It does. That's packed throughout the Old and New Testament. We've talked about how so many people have lost their passion yeah. or never had the passion. Right. But I think it starts with they haven't had the hunger. And so I think what you're talking about is is it's it's like Lord, give me that hunger yep. that that looks for those. And and the beauty yeah. of that, you're yeah. exactly right. Is God gives the hunger through the new covenant. Yes. So He says in Jeremiah, "I will give them a heart to know Me." Mm. Yeah. When He when He says, uh, um, uh, "I will write My law upon their hearts." Yes. What What He's saying there is the desire to do the will of God is the gift of God. Yeah. This may be the most untaught truth in Christendom, that the desire to do the will of God is not our, is not our discipline, it's not right. our hard work, it's not gritting our teeth. The desire to do the will of God is the implanted, embedded desire that God places within us the moment we trust Jesus. So mm-hmm. that Paul can write, it is God who works in you both to desire yes. and, and to, to do, do on behalf of his good will. So one of the things I like to do with this is, is ask people, you know, why, why should you read your Bible? Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of good reasons, yeah. you know, wisdom, yeah. so forth. And then I like to say, here's a reason you should read your Bible you may not have thought of in a while. You, want to, you should read your Bible because you want to. Because mm-hmm. you can't wait. 
<laughs> and, who, and who yeah. put who put the want to in you? Yeah. It was God. Yeah. It was God. Why should you pray? Same reason. Because you want to. God has placed that new desire within. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Paul will say in Romans seven twenty two, for I according to the inward man delight in the law of God. Mm-hmm. You know, God has given us a new set of taste buds to the new covenant. He's given us these new desires. Yeah. Uh, he's given us a new heart, as Ezekiel as Ezekiel will put it. Oh, so. Love it. Well, you know, I find that believers are most familiar with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But reading them, we find that the stories are repeated in many in many ways, sometimes told differently, but, but repeated. Yeah. So we might ask, well, why do we need four, four Gospels? Yeah. Help us to understand that, Dwight. Well, this is just my personal uh, opinion, and I'm not saying that it's inspired necessarily, but it makes yeah. the most sense to me. Um, if you looked for the picture of the Messiah in the Old Testament, you got very mixed messages. So there's a number of passages that portray the um, uh, Messiah as being uh, the, the conquering king. And that's, right. the, that's without doubt, the primary picture of the Messiah in the mm-hmm. Old Testament is the warrior, the conquering king. Kind that's of, what they were looking that's for. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. But there's other passages that show him not as the conquering king, but as the servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah 42, many other passages in mm-hmm. Isaiah especially. Uh, Behold my servant, whom I behold. Um, there are passages that, that, that portray him as God, uh, as an everlasting father, you know, mm-hmm. prince of peace, so forth. But there's other, there's other uh, passages that portray him not as, um, uh, what was that? What was that? God, but, God, a, that but human. as man. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that portray him as, as, mm-hmm. as man, man of sorrows. Sure. So the question is yeah. how can one person be king and servant? God and man at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's got to be resolved. My, so that my personal opinion is that's why you have four gospels. Yeah. So Matthew focuses preeminently upon Christ as the King, mm-hmm. and and nobody debates that, that mm-hmm. with, with, for sure. Nobody actually debates any of these. Uh, but then it is Mark who uh, ref- uh, displays Christ as servant. And so as you read each of the gospels, this is a unique slant to be looking for. Uh, so in, 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 in Matthew, you have Old Testament quoted all over the place, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. others, not, not as much. With Mark, the word immediately appears over 70 times because yeah. Jesus is the perfect servant. Mm. Immediately he does what he's asked, asked to do. Um, then, uh, so I said Mark is, seeing, is Christ as servant. Um, virtually every verse we use to prove the deity of Christ comes from John. Virtually everyone before Abraham was, I am, so mm-hmm. forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we move over to Luke, and we see the humanity of Christ in in two very unique or special ways. One is Luke focuses focuses on Jesus's prayer life more than any other gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, he also focuses on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think those perhaps are two of the clearest indicators of why our humanity needs what God has to offer. Oh, yes, you know? yes, yes. So, so that's the unique focus on prayer life, unique pr- purpose on, um, yeah. on the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. I always like to say, the reason we don't pray more is never that we are too busy, it's that we're too confident. Oh, yes. I mean, if we yeah. really understood our neediness, we would be on our knees. On our knees all the time. More, so oh, so no that, that's doubt. just my personal opinion on, on the four Gospels. Very good. Thanks again for a really insightful program today. And I'm glad that we have you coming back another week because we have so much more to cover. Uh, We look forward to to continuing our discussion of the New Testament 
uh, through the New Testament as we talk about No Greater Saga. Thanks to you, our listeners. I pray our discussion today has stirred your passion to dig deeper into God's Word. Perhaps you'd like to learn more about Dwight Edwards, his ministry, his online Bible studies, his books. Uh, We've included that information on our program page. You can find it at gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. So glad you tuned in today. Please tell others about saving grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.